Outside Hogwarts, a Harry Potter podcast made by kids for kids. I'm Daisy. And I'm Vaughn. And today we're talking about chapter 34 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Priori Incantatum. I probably said that really, I probably said that really weirdly. Can you try it, Vaughn? Priori Incantatum. That's like such an American way, like priori incantatum. Yeah. Wait, yeah. look at uh, priori and I'm sure there's a cantatum. Vaughn's gonna try to ha- figure out how to properly say this word because I definitely struggled with it. Half the websites, like in the description, it um it just says how to say uh priori incantatum in English. It's like, what is this grammar? And, okay, I can't find a <laughs> Okay, so we'll just roll with priori incantatum. It's such an awkward word, but we'll go with it. Why not? All right, Vaughn, this chapter, we are very close to the end, aren't we? We are. Yeah, we are. I think, uh, like, two or two, probably two more chapters. No, I think there's more than that, because we still have to get through, I'm trying to think in my head. How many pages are in God I feel like. I think we got a good four. I actually have the book right here, so I can look. I should know this. Hold on. There are 37 chapters, so we have three more. That's it. Isn't that crazy? So actually, today we're recording very, like, weirdly. We're recording on a Thursday after school, because normally we record on Sundays. But uh, this week we're recording on a Thursday. So. Because I have a camping trip over the weekend, and I'm not going to be yep. here. And this isn't going to come out till after that, so it's cool. But yeah, so um, why don't we talk about what happens in this chapter. Vaughn, what did you think about this chapter? Because you like high-action chapters, don't you? Uh, I, I do, I do. I uh, would so call this a high-action chapter. My, my end of the chapter... I got caught up in, like, the very middle of the action, and I had no idea what was going on, but I could kind of assume what was happening based on my prior knowledge. Yeah. Then, the, the okay, there was, like, the ghost scene you know about. Yeah. And I, I thought it'd be a little bit longer than it actually was. Because they just kind of pop out, go, okay, here's what you need to do, and hey, then Harry. he does it, and it's over. And some of you guys might not know what we're talking about, but it's in this chapter analysis, so. Hopefully they've read it. Hopefully they've read it. They've read Hopefully. it. Because it was just like, yeah. Alright, first sentence. Wormtail approached Harry, who scrambled to his feet to support his own weight before the ropes were untied. Wormtail cut the ropes. Okay, you know what, actually? So I was thinking about this while I was reading it, and I was like, doesn't it kind of say something about Wormtail? I was kind of expecting Wormtail to, like, laugh or something, right? Wouldn't that be characteristic? Wait, laugh at what? (laughs) Just, you know, wouldn't that be characteristic of a villain to just, like, just kind of, like... Oh, ha, 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 I cut off my hand and resurrected (laughs) my my master. (laughs) Because what I'm thinking is, you know how Voldemort has that, like, laugh? Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) <laughs> exactly like that's very characteristic of a villain to be have that laugh and i feel like it says something about wormtail that he doesn't laugh at this point he's he kind scared. of seems a little exactly i, I, that's I don't what think I'm he's saying. trying to do anything except what his master tells him it's just like I exactly do... he's probably very nervous 
I've got to do everything right straight to the point of like whatever he says. So exactly, otherwise I. Because otherwise, like, Wormtail, I think, right now, as Voldemort's considering at least his most loyal follower, that's out of prison. So he kind of has to uphold that at the same time as, like, he can't be killed. Mm-hmm. Wormtail cut the ropes and Harry stood next to the grave. The Death Eaters formed a tighter circle around Harry and Voldemort. Okay, also, the Death Eaters in this chapter remind me... I don't even know what they remind me of, because the whole entire time, they're just in this ring, and they follow Harry and Voldemort wherever they go. They just, like, run after them and form a new circle. Like, you're gonna see that more later on. Just just wait for it, okay? <laughs> it's just like, it's not, because okay, Voldemort's kind of, like, arrogant about wanting to defeat Harry Potter before he kills him. Yeah. He wants and- to, like, have a proper duel. Yeah, but that's always his undoing. It's, it's just like... Exactly. I think this if, time... If, if I were Voldemort... I, if I were Voldemort, I'd, I would do the same. I wouldn't... You, I, you'd want to prove that you're better than, like, this simple fourth-year student. Exactly. And this is the only time that he feels like he needs to prove himself to be able to kill Harry, right? Because if we think about it, and, like, in... Um, this isn't really a spoiler, but if you want to skip ahead, you can. Just warning. And so in five, in five, Voldemort doesn't really duel Harry, and then in six, he doesn't duel Harry, and then in seven, he doesn't duel Harry. Not because uh, he wants to. It, at least. It, it wasn't much of a duel. This one. Uh, well, in no, I mean, seven. in seven, in seven, they have two duels. One of them isn't much no, of a duel. No, I know. Though. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. This one. This is the only time where Voldemort feels like he needs to prove himself by defeating Harry. All the other times, he just defeats him. Well, know? I think it, I think this is the only one where it's like the circumstances where Voldemort has to, like, tell his Death Eaters to back off. Because in number seven, all the Death Eaters are busy doing other things. I'm not going to give away what they're doing or, like, why or when, but... Because I don't want to spoil anything, but... Wormtail gave Harry his wand and then retreated to his place in the circle. Voldemort asked Harry if he had been taught how to duel. Harry remembered the dueling club that he had attended during his second year, but all that had taught him was Expelliarmus, which was which would be useless with so many Death Eaters around. Which, honestly, that dueling club was basically a waste of time. Because wasn't there only one meeting, right? There was only one meeting, and so they just completely shut it down. Because the children <laughs> fought dirty. Because of the snake. Because of the snake. That's, okay, yeah. <laughs> which, he basically got taught nothing there, because... I think, I'm trying to remember, I think Gilderoy was like, okay, I'm going to perform this spell, and Snape's going to use Expelliarmus against me, right? Or was it the opposite? I think, I think, uh, Gilderoy was supposed to, um, Cat was supposed to, Gilderoy, sorry, sorry. He was supposed, I I forgot how I'm supposed to say it. Okay. (laughs) Let's not talk about that. Um, but I think he was supposed <laughs> to send Snape, then Snape was like, no. He just got it. Yeah. Gilderoy, like, immediately. But honestly, I feel like that 
for some reason, that just became Harry's favorite spell. Oh, yeah, no, 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 Snape used that spell against Gilderoy because, remember, it was like he learned that spell from Snape. Yeah. Harry? Yeah, I don't Harry really remember a lot of second books, because it wasn't exactly my... I know, I kind of pushed it out of my mind. <laughs> I've repressed like, memories the second, of finishing the The first. second books don't exist, the second books don't exist, the second books don't exist. Exactly, it just... No, it goes one, then three. So, he knew that Voldemort would use Avada Kedavra against him, and there would be nothing he could do to perfect, protect himself against the spell. And you think at this point, the Wizarding World would have come up with some sort of defense against that yeah. spell, especially so we, considering just... how many times they've dealt with problems surrounding the spell. And I think we've talked about this before, and Super Coin Brothers have done a theory on it. I'm not sure exactly what the theory was, but... I know it was, like, what could counteract it. But yeah. it is strange that they couldn't ever find a blocking. Yeah, it's but, just but kind maybe, of like, well, maybe that's just how it is. Like, maybe there's just no actual true way to do it. Yeah. I guess the real, like, blocking of it is the issue that if you actually want to perform it, you actually need to have this, like, you actually have to, like, really want to do it. And I guess that would be the restriction, right? Like, like if you want to kill the person, like yeah. you need to focus, like how they talk exactly. about like, aspect. like if you don't really want to kill them, but you per perform the spell, nothing's gonna happen. So I guess that would be the restriction on the spell. But there's no defense against like Voldemort using it. You just kind of have to hope that like Mad Eye Moody okay, gets there well, in time. There is, like, that blocking thing, but, you know, that they do, but it, does that actually work? Because Voldemort it fought, when Voldemort fought Dumbledore in 6. No, it's 5. Like, yeah, oh, 5, yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. Um, they, like, Vol uh, Dumbledore kept doing, like, the, uh, this, would keep blocking. Yeah. With his, using magic with his wand, but... Don't you think Voldemort would have been sending out the Avada Kedavra curse? Like, why would he just use a, a stunning spell? I have no idea. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Maybe he feels like he needs a different form of murder for Dumbledore. Like, something more, like, deep. Because Avada Kedavra for Voldemort is easy. Maybe he wanted to do something more difficult. I, when he was fighting Dumbledore, why would he ever take that chance? I have no idea. I, was the only person, I don't even know. I don't remember. I don't remember five that well. Dumb, Dumbledore was the only person that uh, Voldemort ever feared. Fawn, when is Voldemort in number six? I don't remember. Is he himself in it? Not Tom Riddle. Is is Voldemort in number six? Give me I literally. I can't even remember. Oh wait. <laughs> Never mind. Wait. Isn't number six at the end? Does Voldemort show up? No, he doesn't. That, Voldemort isn't at, in number six. at the end. At the end of number six, the Death Eaters show up. Okay, but not Voldemort. Yeah, yeah, not Voldemort. Okay. Voldemort told Harry to bow, and when Harry didn't, Voldemort cast Imperius and forced Harry's back to bend forward. Imagine, like, you're just standing there, and some invisible force just pushes your back to, like, arch. That would be weird. That would be a weird feeling. 
Voldemort said, now we duel, and immediately cast the Cruciatus Curse on Harry. Harry screamed more loudly than he had ever screamed in his entire life. It stopped, and Harry stood back up. He fell into the wall of Death Eaters, and they pushed him back into the circle. Voldemort said, a little break. I feel like exactly what I was talking about earlier, the Death Eaters feel like this little force field that just follows them wherever they go. And if they ever go and touch the force field, they just, like, push them back in. And how did, wait, when was that cast? Like, how did they make that? What do you mean? No, no, never mind. Like, how did they make the force field? Like, what what, was spell? Oh, it's not a force field. I'm saying they're like a force field. Oh, oh, the Death Eaters are like a force field. Okay. Because in the movies, there's, like, a dome around Voldemort and Harry. I was thinking so. Oh, really? Like yeah, like yeah, uh, that's not in the book. Goblet, maybe that's maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Fire, like when I'm relating it. Harry versus Voldemort. Also, like I'm trying to think. So there's a Funko Pop on, and it's literally the scene of Harry and Voldemort ca- each casting their curses really? where they're hitting each other, and it's that's super cool. cool. It's like it's honestly. Let me let me find it online. Yeah. So Vaughn, is there a force field around them? Okay, I found the image. Is there a force field? Yeah, I'll copy the image and post it in chat. It, there is a force field. Alright. I'm gonna post link the link for the Funko Pop because it's it's just so cool. Oh, I, have, I can only yeah, post I think, the link. That's fine, I can click on the link. So yeah, some of the coolest Funko Pops I think are the ones where it's like movie moments. Because they're they just have like the coolest little things going on. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, except for look at Voldemort's feet in this Funko Pop. He's like charred. I know that's exactly <laughs> exactly. Let me click okay. on the link. Uh, I mean, I don't really, I don't, I don't really like the center of it too much. Yeah, I mean, it looks a little barren. And, like, there, I don't think there's enough distance between, like, that little thing that their wands are making. Like, the, the spell. You know? Yeah, that's true. It's, it's like, a very short cool, thing. Yeah. So, wait, is there a force field? I can't tell. Is there what? Between, between them there's and the Death Eaters. Field. Yeah, uh, click on my link. It's there. Oh, I see it. Yeah, I have no idea. It's not the first image, but there's... it's there. Yeah, I see it. I don't... I bet it's probably just because they they thought... Whoever was writing the movie thought what I thought when they were reading this. Like, the Death Eaters are basically a force field. Voldemort asked whether he wanted the Cruciatus curse on him again, and when Harry didn't answer, he cast the Imperious curse on him. Harry resisted and ended up saying, I won't, rather than no, which Voldemort was trying to get him to say. Oh, it's okay. I'm just thinking that you think maybe Voldemort would be a little bit more powerful than Harry and would be able to force him to say no if he actually wanted him to. Well, Harry does have a strong will. I mean, I don't know how much other than some other other person, but he's not able to resist it because of the the connection that his like his, the protection that his mother's sacrifice gave him. Yeah. Voldemort said, you won't? He said that obedience is a virtue that he needed to teach Harry before he died. Voldemort lifted his wand to cast Crucio. 
Before he could cast it, Harry dove behind Tom Riddle's wand, or Tom Riddle's grave, and he heard Voldemort's curse hit the grave. Voldemort taunted Harry and approached the grave. Harry decided that he wasn't going to hide and would die like his father did. Harry stood and shouted Expelliarmus at the same time that Voldemort said Avada Kedavra, which is very brave of Harry because yeah. I don't know. Yeah, what I'm do gonna in this die like my dad. It's gonna be so fun. I'm gonna die like my father. I don't know how I would act in this situation. I would probably be terrified. I would be out of my mind. Just honestly, like I feel like if I were Harry or Cedric in this situation, I'd rather be Cedric. What I would do was yeah. I, I I mean I, if I were Harry I would have been probably I, I would peek my wand out behind the <laughs> that the gravestone yeah. and then no and then cast bombarda so the ground exploded near Voldemort so it, it then was, all the a, death eaters would attack you no it's got a blast radius and you're not going to be able to see and if you duck out he's probably going to kill you so if you so if you use bombarda you have a good chance of hitting him. Or ha- at least doing Big, a little oh, bit of damage. What's because that? It, what spells is that book? What it caused it increased like an explosion. Increased like an explosion. It was used in uh, I think the movie uh, is the that movie to blow as- up the uh, bridge? The, no, it no. They, they use like bombs or something. Um, <laughs> I, I, I it, but that's not what they used to blow up the bridge, but uh, in Prisoner of Azkaban the movie they used it to break Sirius out of jail. They don't oh, okay. ever, they don't use it for that in the book, but that was one of the uses. And Bombarda creates like an explosion. So if you do, so if you cast Bombarda while you're not looking, then you still have a better chance at hitting Voldemort or at least doing, That's like funny. getting near him, which would also yeah, do I wouldn't damage. have even thought of that. That's a good idea. Yeah, I would probably, like I said, I'd probably rather be Cedric and just kind of die surprised. Like Cedric had no idea what was hitting him when he died. He just kind of was like, hey, who goes there? Boom. And that was it. Death. Yeah. Yeah. Their spells hit in midair, and his wand began to vibrate. The connection was gold, and Harry felt himself being raised into the air. Which I, I don't remember him. this part. He's just, like, ascending. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Basically... I, I, I don't under, why, why is he rising why does he rise into the air i don't understand that part okay so you know it's Vaughn, have just, you like, seen it's the just, lorax? just like magic what the lorax have you yeah, seen where lorax? he lifts up his tail butt <laughs> and then <it> flies away <laughs> that, that, that doesn't make yeah. sense <laughs> that's what i'm imagining he's he's just lifting himself up and <laughs> Wait, also, you know the part with Gilderoy in book two where he just goes, This is just, just like, like magic. magic. Yeah, so there's, they're both ascending. They're both lifting themselves. <laughs> they're both lifting themselves up and ascending. <laughs> For those of you that have no idea what's happening right now, in Zencaster, how we're recording, Vaughn can uh, raise his hand. And it just says on my screen, Vaughn McDonald's has something to say. <laughs> I always put a funny name after Vaughn's name in Zencaster. Like, last week it was Vaughn McStuffins, and the week before that it was, like, Vaughn Fox the Phoenix. Vaughn Jimmy uh, McGee. Should I always try to name. do something just kind of funny. So, yeah, his his image is bobbing up and down, and I just see Vaughn McDonald's as something to say. 
Anyway, Why would you, yeah. So they're both ascending. You named me Von McDonald's. Rough. So they're both ascending into the air, and they start to drift to another patch of grass without any graves. And the Death Eaters basically ran after them, just like sprinted, and reformed their circle around Harry and Voldemort. Which, just this is hilarious that they keep doing this. Voldemort shouted for the Death Eaters to do nothing unless commanded. Harry suddenly heard a phoenix song, which was the sound that connected him to Dumbledore. Harry could almost hear him say in his ear, don't break the connection. Beads of light began to slide slowly up and down the connection. They slid toward Harry, and the direction of the light beam was directed towards him. The bead vibrated as it neared Harry's wand, but he pushed it back. It eventually reached the tip of Voldemort's wand, sending out wisps of smoke. Once Honestly, the like, just like... Just, like, this part of the chapter just kind of tells me how powerful Harry is. Because, like, throughout the books, Harry is not that good at, like, classes and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's always Hermione's strong suit. But then when he's it, dueling, it, like, it Hermione doesn't make sense. never have won this. It doesn't make sense how he's so good at dueling. Anyway. Okay, I think a lot of that has to do with this duel. And the reason that Harry Potter is so powerful here is because of, like, the amount of, like, willpower that is actually going into the magic that they're using. Because I don't think we think about it a lot, I, I don't but willpower it... has a lot to do with spells. Really? Mm-hmm. So just anybody like, who think wanted about it. to survive could have beat Voldemort? It, it doesn't make sense. Well, because I don't know. I feel like there's, it's there's not, definitely it's not... more, there's more at stake for Harry Bond. It's not the love. It's not the love connection that was given to him by Lily that's protecting Harry. I don't think it's willpower, or else anybody else would have been able to defeat Voldemort. Anyway, like at least one person that that encountered him should have been able to defeat him, other than Albus Dumbledore. Okay, to be but, to be honest, but, I completely forgot about the Lily thing. Yeah, but that doesn't apply to this because it's not that. It's only that protecting him from like actually being killed. It, it it's it that wouldn't make sense. Like it wouldn't give Harry. But I think that combat I think that there has to be, there has to be at least some part of it that has to do with Harry's willpower. I, I don't think so. I, like maybe at his birth there was something unique. Maybe, maybe. like maybe like the midichlorians in Star Wars sort of thing. I'll um, I'll I'll assume I know who this <laughs> those are. Here, Von, why don't you, uh, read your next note? Why are you, like, smiling like a maniac? <laughs> You're just, like, it's like, okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> I was like, Star Wars, don't know that. Next. <laughs> well, to all of those that do know midichlorians are, you're awesome. Okay, one took the shape of Wormtail's uh, sacrificed hand and vanished, but the other took the form of Cedric Diggory's torso and head. More that is terrifying. More... Why is there a figure of Wormtail's hand? It vanished. It's the hand that was sacrificed. It, because... I don't get that. Why did it appear? It's it's now a part of Voldemort. Oh. And it's coming okay. out of his wand. So. More more figures of smoke came from the wand, including um an old man and Bertha Jorgens. It gave him words of encouragement, and eventually Lily and James emerged. And I want to imagine say, how many. When Bertha Jorkins Sorry. came out of the wand, she fell. She just, like, 
like her her spectral form came out of the wand and just like stumbled tumbled over <laughs> just got back up i was just gonna say like imagine if he wanted to like summon back like imagine if if just just figures kept coming out of his wand right he every person he's stop. ever killed every person or creature he's ever killed and it's just this graveyard is filled with spirits just everywhere and harry's like dad mom and they're like harry and they can't hear each other yeah because there's so many spirits and they're all like it's harry potter (laughs) they're all screaming (laughs) this yeah this would be pretty bad Uh James told Harry that when the connection was broken, the ghost would only linger for a moment, so Harry would have to get to the port key as soon as possible, while the ghost distracted Voldemort. Cedric asked Harry to take his body back to his parents, and that's kind of like a sort of irresponsible thing to ask. There's this child about to be murdered, and you're asking him to... Risk his to life take, a little bit more. Yeah, to risk your lo- to risk his life even more just to bring your ba- your dead body back to your parents. I mean, I, mean, like, I get why it. he's asking. I, I get, get why he's asking, but I I've never even thought about what you just said. How it's like even more of a risk, but yeah, that makes sense. Like it is kind of a lot. Um, Harry broke the connection while the ghost blinded Voldemort. Harry ran to Cedric's body and yelled Accio at the portkey. Last sentence. He heard Voldemort scream of fury at the same time that he felt the jerk behind his navel. That meant that the portkey had worked. It was speeding him away in a whirl of wind and color. Cedric along with him. They were going back. Oh my gosh. This is it. We've made it through. Alright, we have one movie for today and Vaughn is going to read that. At around two hours and five... I was about to say 50 minutes. Sorry, it came out a little weird. In the, uh, in the wand connection scene between Harry and Voldemort, Harry raises his left arm to steady the wand. The camera angle switches, and his left arm is still beside him, and then he raises his arm again. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna take a, a quick break, and we'll be right back. I love magic. In case you haven't read the Harry Potter books yet, I want to give a quick spoiler warning so that you can go ahead and do that and come back when you have. And we'll see you then. college ranked the harry potter books and we're gonna go over their ranking and we're gonna say how we feel about it right and so i'm gonna vaughn do you have the website open or do you want me to kind of like tell you you tell me because you didn't tell me i needed a link okay it's fine it's fine (laughs) all right so they put number seven as harry potter and the chamber of secrets and honestly, I respect this I person. I completely agree. Them. I completely respect this person because uh, it says that this book is forgettable. Um, it has extensive plot and lacks characterization and emotion. Um, I don't know. I I enjoy all of the Harry Potter books. Like I like reading all of them. I particularly enjoy the beginning of Chamber of Secrets. When Harry is, like, escaping the Dursleys, he's going to the burrow. But there's certain things about the book that I don't like. I don't really like the chamber, but I like Gilderoy, which is the weird thing. Like, one of my favorite characters comes from the book that is my least favorite, which is weird. But I don't know. There's just, there's just something about the book that I don't love. 
but if I have to read it, I'm going to. Like, it's it's not a bad book by any means. It's just the worst Harry Potter book. Yeah. But it would definitely yeah. rank above a lot of books that aren't Harry Potter. Yeah. Just, like, some of the Harry Potter standards are so high that Chamber of Secrets does, doesn't rank as high as those do. What do you think about this one? Um, I think it's definitely true. There, uh... Th- the plot was boring and it kind of dragged had to drag on it it went through multiple sequences where they're like oh we found out this thing but th- that leads us to this next clue but that happens mo- so many times it just gets boring and like it's repetitive. like the red herring but they use that way too many times okay so why don't we go to the next one and bond this time i want you to start and tell us about how you feel about this book all right Okay. So, they put number six as the Half-Blood Prince. Um, so, let me just read a little bits of the part. It says, Although it is intriguing to learn about Lord Voldemort's past, Half-Blood Prince is essentially just exposition. Half-Blood Prince has enjoyable elements, um, but is unable to stand on its own. What do you think? I think that's... I think that's true. It's really just exposition, and the final part comes out with the more important stuff. That that's definitely true. But if I, personally, I would actually rank uh, the first book as my number six. You think so? Yeah, because the first book, it's kind of boring. I I wouldn't say it's my favorite. Mhm. But um, yeah, six would probably be lower on the scale. I don't know. I have very strong feelings about book six. Like, I understand what this person's saying about how it's just exposition. But if we're going to go through all seven of Harry's years at Hogwarts, not something interesting is going to happen every single year. You know what I mean? I mean, that that's true, but still, like if, we're talking, if, if you we're wanna, talking about ranking every single one. We can't. We can't. We have to put them on the same scale. That's true. But, like, if you want to... If you want to critique these books as, like, books standing on their own, whatever, you can rank Half-Blood Prince at six. But honestly, like, I feel like if you're going to go through all seven of Harry's years at Hogwarts, you need to have a year where it's just him doing, him building a relationship with Dumbledore and then just doing, like, normal stuff at Hogwarts and then this whole thing with Snape and the book. There needs to be a book like that. And I understand the, the low ranking, but I still believe that this book is great. I really like this book I, did I really too. love i really love the half-blood prince movie it's probably one of i think in the, one the, they did episode, a really good job that, with the movie and i really love the soundtrack and yeah, half-blood prince it's one, of my, it's one of my favorite like, tracks yeah and i i don't know there's just something about half-blood prince the movie that's just so it's so good like i think in one episode i said it was my favorite movie which I say a favorite movie is different every single time because I can never pick one. So, it's up there. That's all I can say. Probably top three. Alright, they put five as Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And I think basically what I this agree. person is saying is that is that even the Sorcerer's Stone is like what people got, like what is magical, it's not as magical as you grow up. It's definitely not. Like, at this point, like, I loved it when I first read it, but, like, now that I'm like, if you re- ever read it again, and it pales in comparison to other books. Yeah, I agree. It's very good introduction into the series. 
but it's really Obviously, only for it's a the first, first read. Book. Yeah. It's good only it's only good for a first read. Uh, no, I mean I wouldn't say it's only because I've read it several times and I enjoy it all the times I read it. But like you said, it, it does kind of pale in comparison to when you get to the later books. Number four, they put Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. And they're describing it as the first stepping stone that Harry Potter takes to a more mature direction. Um, his thoughts and fears are fleshed out. Yeah. What do you think about Prisoner of Azkaban? Uh, I think no, Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, sorry, Azkaban is probably going to be my number. Actually, I'd rank Goblet of Fire. Give me a minute. As three? Or, sorry, as four? You don't have to rank yours. You just just talk about how you feel about the book. Because I want to do a whole episode where we okay. just make a ranking of the books. Okay, well, I I overall enjoyed the book. Um, it was pretty good. I really loved how they did, like, the character development of Sirius Black. How, you know, he was innocent the whole time. And how his, you know, Harry's thing. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Father, yeah. I think overall it was a pretty good book. Um, there were some pretty great scenes where it was like it was revealed like Harry was actually the one that saved him, and there was like that metaphor for how Harry was like was actually just James but younger, really. Yeah. Or I definitely Bob. like Prisoner of Azkaban. I think there was a point when I said it was my favorite book. I probably would change that now. There's the I know we're not talking about the movies right now, but Prisoner of Azkaban the movie that movie drags. Yeah, I yeah. like all of these movies. I love all of these movies. Don't get me the wrong. The lighting is just that, really dark. That movie, you think it's going to end, and it doesn't. You're like, it has to end any minute now. And no, there's like 30 minutes. 30 minutes left when you think it's going to end. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. It's sort of like Chamber of Secrets in a way. But the, the yeah. plot is... You get to the... I definitely think it's a step up from Chamber of Secrets, but it's still not my favorite one, but I still think it's good. Alright, the next one they have is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Um, and they just basically are saying everything that everyone feels about Deathly Hallows. So Vaughn, why don't you talk about how you feel about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows? Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, I think, is a great wrap-up to the story. They, they did some really great things with the Battle of Hogwarts, um, Harry's quote-unquote death. I think it was a really great character-building moment. And the, the thing they did with Neville and how he was, like, a leader for, like, the Hogwarts Rebellion, it, it was amazing. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think Deathly House is a very good book. I, I keep going back to the films, but... It's like I remember the films a lot more distinctly than the books because they're kind of putting a visual to the book. But I love I love Deathly Hallows Part 1. I de- love Deathly Hallows Part 2. They're both, like, so intriguing. Yeah, but Deathly, uh, the, the Deathly Hallows, the book, uh, the book and movies, it just kind of feels strange. Like, the entire time, they're just going through the woods, and then suddenly, oh, they're, they're, they're now at this person's house, and they need to get this horcrux and destroy it. it no, it's, yeah, it's I just kinda, it's, it's kind of It's kind of a strange thing, but it, I'm not saying it's bad. It's kind of a Yeah, weird. no, I, I completely agree. There's something weird about what's going on, like you said. Just, like, there's so much time spent in the woods, and it's just pure camping. 
Yeah, and and a lot of it's Ron. just camping, and then and then there's like, oh, no, uh, Ron's gone, and then then there's the Snatchers. I think were before Ron, but yeah, there, there's and like, then it's like Ron's back. I think it has a really good balance of character building and action. Oh, I agree. Yeah, but Deathly Hallows probably has the most character building in all of the books. I think it's got to be my favorite book. Yeah. Then we go to Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, and that's probably two. Or, it, it's not probably two. It is two. And uh, it just is talking about how it has a more mature tone. I, I would um, rank it the same, yeah. Yeah, I believe so, too. It's just very... I just There's something about Order of the Phoenix that I really love. And it's, it's very sentimental really with the death of Sirius. Yeah. I agree. Alright, so then we have Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, and they ranked that as number one. I now, obviously, it... as we... Go ahead. Oh, keep... Okay, I wouldn't rank it as number one. It obviously, it has a lot of action. It's intriguing on the first read. Um, but there's no... It's all like, oh, there's the third task, and then that's the... It, it's just the... I can summarize Goblet of Fire in five events. One, Harry's name gets picked. Then the then first task, second task, third task, and then the final duel. You said five. It's just a- Yeah, it's five. His name gets pulled. His name gets pulled. Oh, first, sorry. Second- <laughs> sorry. <Yeah. laughs> that, I think there's just too much action that there's not yeah. enough, like, setup or- like, the Yule Ball was, like, a big scene in the movies, but, like, there was, like, it was barely included in the book. I don't know. I I feel like I, I think Goblet of Fire is the book I've enjoyed the most out of us going over this entire podcast. And I, I think because I book, feel the most experienced in this book. I think I think the book is really enjoyable to read. It, it, it's great to read. Yeah. But... But if you now that I when I reflect on it, it I I just didn't think it hit the mark with enough when it um sorry I didn't think it hit the mark um to have enough um character character development or other stuff like that. Yeah, it's definitely it better than the action. first three. Definitely better than the first three. Definitely. All right, that took a really long time to get through our Hogsmeade journal. So why don't we go into our our, so basically, guys, today, the day you're listening to this probably is the day after Valentine's Day. Yvonne doesn't even know what we're talking about. So, of course, I felt that we needed to talk about Wizarding World couples. <laughs> not not ships, actual couples. <laughs> okay, so... I found this article on Wizarding World, and it says, We rate our favorite wizarding couples from best to worst. So Wizarding World did the work for us. We just have to react. <laughs> so Vaughn is raising his hand currently. Yes, Vaughn? Yes, Vaughn. What would you like to say? I- I'm nervous. Okay, that's great. Alright, first, there's 13 couples, and we have to say how we feel about each of the couples and oh, why they did on. or didn't work. Oh. <laughs> Jeez. Alright. The thir- the thirteenth one. <laughs> this one is funny. 
Ron Weasley and Lavender Brown. Obviously, it's garbage. Why are they? Why were the Ron Weasley and Lavender Brown? It was based on Ron's this was love terrible. Potion. She literally comes up, sprays her breath onto glass, and writes R. It's it's garbage. I think it was just because of a love potion. They didn't even like each other. Exactly. It wasn't even... Well, she liked Ron, but Ron didn't like her. Isn't it weird to think she was acting of her complete free will the whole time? <laughs> Oh my, she she had to release all the of that love. The whole time. She had, she had been built up all of that love that she needed to release it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the last one. I don't even remember this one. But uh, it's Ginny Weasley and Michael Corner. And I don't remember this one. That, that, that was only in like three, I think, when they were in the Hogsmeade. Right, or four, four maybe? I don't remember. I forget, but I forget, that... but they were in Hogsmeade, and then and then Ron hated how they were snogging. I just remember, it just says that she dumped him after he went off in a huff because Gryffindor beat Ravenclaw. She dumped so. him because of that? Yeah, I guess so. What? Number 11 is Ginny Weasley and Dean Thomas. <laughs> this one is so weird because Dean <laughs> is like one of... Is what? Just Dean is one of Ron's close friends. So then he's date. Why does every single one of Ron's friends want to date Ginny? Dean, Harry. That's it. Imagine if you were Ron. <laughs> I was like, look at all these guys too. I'm trying to date my sister. Yeah, that would be that. That'd not be good. All right. Harry Potter and Cho Chang, that's number 10. Oh, that was a terrible... Like, she didn't even like him. She would, he, Harry was just, like, her backup after Cedric died. Exactly. And the whole time she's just upset and crying because Cedric's dead. And she misses him and she doesn't want to date Harry. She wants to date Cedric. Who's dead now. And then Harry's, like, taking advantage of her sadness. Yeah. Okay, but listen to this. Sure, it flopped like a flubberworm, but at least Harry got his first kiss. It flopped like a flubberworm. That's a really good comparison. Okay, Honestly, we're gonna start using that expression it. now. It exactly. like a flubberworm. Guys. Guys, that was a flop. Just like a flubberworm. Gosh. Petunia and Vernon Dursley, and that's that's number nine. And the picture on this one is just gold. Petunia and who? Uh, Vernon. Why is that a bad couple? They're both terrible people. I'd rank that number one. No, this isn't bad. This is, we rate our favorite Wizarding World couples. And they're at number nine. How are they at number nine? Wait, no, I think how I think these are all the couples in the Wizarding World. Like, what? What are no, the other ones? No, it says. I don't know, but I don't. I, know. I think the last oh, ones are good. Supposed to be good. Yeah. All right, number eight: Hermione Granger and Victor Crumb. 
they didn't even they didn't even send each other letters. I mean, sure, maybe for like one server, then oh, uh, Vector's now gone. Oh, uh, and then she sees him. Does she ever go? Does she even go to Bulgaria when he asks her to? I I don't know. I know he's asked her once before, but then she's just like, he did. no, I'm done. And then she. The- I know she does. At the does. very end of, Gob- of Goblet of Fire, she she he asks her. I know that. Yeah. Oh wait, no, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. No, 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 no. no. Remember, stop, stop. Hermione. Hermione tells Ron that he asked her at the end of the second task if yeah, she would go Cr- to Bulgaria. And Crumb is multiple years older than her. I don't understand. He's how actually that even he's probably eighteen by the end of this year. How old is she? Fourteen. Fourteen. Goodness gracious. So she's a senior, he's a senior in high school and she's a freshman in high school. <laughs> and he's graduating this year. Why? This, this, no, this shouldn't ever have happened. No, it shouldn't. He should have picked It was a, a long a distance a- relationship. It shouldn't have worked. He can't even pronounce her own name. It didn't, though. It didn't, <laughs> that's true. It, it shouldn't have started. <laughs> But then they dance at Fleur's wedding, and that got cut out of the movie, which was unfortunate. All right, number seven, Cedric Diggory and Cho Chang. Seven. All right, so on this article, in the picture of uh, Cedric and Cho, there's this guy standing all the way to the right, and he's just, like, looking off into the distance, like, gazing lovingly (laughs) at nothing. (laughs) I mean, like, really, look at his face. Yeah, and then there's, like, these two girls off to the side that seem to be clapping at nothing. What? No, because Hermione and Hermione is behind them. Oh, wait, no, no, that's, sorry, that's Parvati's behind them. Huh. And then this guy's just over here, like, probably staring at Hermione (laughs) or Victor or something. Victor, my one true love. (laughs) I mean, look at his face. He he has to be staring at one of them. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so Cedric and Cho, they were all right. I don't really and care. I don't understand why she was so sentimental over his death. They dated for, like, six months. Probably even less. A little... Actually, yeah, perfectly six months. It was, uh, six months from Christmas, which is June. Also, like, I, I don't... honestly, honestly, like... Not only did Cho accept Cedric's invitation to the ball, she also became the thing he'd miss most, and was taken as his hostage in the second task of the Triwizard Tournament. Like, that is so weird. They should have just gotten Cedric's dad. Cedric's dad? Why was Cho the thing that he would miss the most? (sighs) That's true. Probably it was just at their convenience, not that they would miss him the most. That's true. It's like, do we really want to fly Cedric's dad here? No. Even though he could... Oh, wait, he can't operate. Sorry. Yeah. I forgot. He would have had to get on the train. Or he could have borrowed a flying car. That would have worked, too. The next one is Bill Weasley and Fleur de la Cour. What do you think, Vaughn? I mean, I really don't... I'm pretty neutral on this. I'm not against it. I'm not really for it. I didn't really see the two going together, but it it it, it just didn't. I don't know. I thought it was obvious. 
I thought it was kind of annoying that, like, Ginny and Molly were calling her Flem when she was staying at the Weasley's house. Yeah. Because she was just, like, being nice. And Ginny was being so rude to her. I think that was part of the reason I don't like Ginny. I don't I don't really care anymore about Ginny. I just am kind of neutral about her character. But I used to, like, really not like Ginny. And I think it was just because of how she treated Fleur. Because I really liked Fleur's character. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. This, this couple's pretty cool. I don't know. I like both characters. So, I'm not complaining. The next one is Remus Lupin and Nymphadora Talks. That's probably one of my favorites. Me too. I like how there's, like, so much controversy between the age difference and, like, they're openly recognizing that that's an issue, but then they're not letting it be an issue. They're just, like, it doesn't matter. Wait, they re- where do they recognize it? Because you know how t- Lupin is all, like, I'm too old for her? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Huh. How old is she? And he's all... I forget. She she wasn't... She's the same age as Bill. And how old is Remus? Let me, let me look it up. I'm just going... Age difference between... Uh, What is his name? Lupin and... Tonks. And Tonks. Um, 13 years. I mean, I wouldn't say that's too bad. He says it re- he resisted becoming involved with her because of the risks from his being a werewolf, and he said he is too old, too poor, and too dangerous. So yeah, she's she's the age of Bill. He's the age of her older brother. But I mean, I I, I liked the relationship. Yeah, I agree. I wish there was a little bit more of it because Tonks is like barely in the movies. That's true, and I didn't, like, then there's, like, um, Lupin, like, abandoning his unborn child to go Exactly, honestly, like, Lupin has some commitment issues. Number four is Lily and James Potter. I'm not a fan of this relationship, because it was, like, James just showed up and basically took Lily from Snape. Yeah, I agree. Now, it was kind of Snape's fault because he just got angry about it and then did a ton of other stuff that sort of drove Lily away from him. But I think it was just annoying how James just swept in and stole her. Yeah, I completely agree. It's like he made, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like James, like you said, James stole her from Snape. I don't know. Snape was really mean to her when they were in Hogwarts. I mean, that's true. James was really mean, though. Like, how could she... She was so nice. How could she be with James when he was so mean? Yeah, and then she talks to Snape, like, as if Snape is so bad. And he was kind of bad. But then then there's this whole side of James that she doesn't even care about. Exactly. It even says here, but only after his head... But only after his head deflated, of course. So, like, James is super full of himself. Yeah. And she likes him anyway, which makes no sense to me. I would have I would have preferred her to end up with Snape, to be completely honest. That that would have been better. I mean you've gotta I mean it, it, sorry. Uh it would have been good uh storytelling 
for for what they for what J.K. Yeah. Rowling did. That that was good storytelling. And it, but you, I mean, I know yeah. you you would root for we would root for Snape, but yeah, it, it was so a, a lot great of people wouldn't plot. I feel like a lot of good storytelling is a lot of like controversy. Like if there's controversy between characters or like good and evil or couples like Lily and James or Lily and Snape, that's good storytelling in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, number three is Harry Potter and Ginny Weasley. I know that I you don't think Harry and Ginny should have ended up together. They shouldn't have ever ended up together. It didn't make sense. Like, she just had a crush on him for a few years. Then that that completely ended. She started dating other guys. And then out of the blue, they kiss. There's, yeah, like, the, exactly. most, the most awkward scenes possible out of just out of nowhere in number six. They, they've yeah. never, like, set up, like, any sort of romantic tension between the two yeah especially in the movies it's even worse in the movies like you know it's the part so where she just comes awkward. up and like feeds him a tart or ties his shoes that part is weird he should he can tie his own shoes thank you very much jenny oh my gosh it's just like so cringe okay. The next one, the next, <laughs> the next one is Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger, and I already I know that you don't like this th- one either. This, this one speaks for itself. Ron and Hermione, they constantly fight about the the dumbest things. Ron's always like yeah. a jerk. Um, Hermione's like always a victim of it, and then it just. <laughs> I, I know. I agree. The, I don't think Hermione should have like. There's a, settled. there's a small amount of like setup um you know like going up to it like where there's like uh where like they're uh sorry hermione's like um why don't you take me to the ball then or why don't you or she's like how would Ginny feel if she saw you snogging me and I, there's that but they're constantly exactly. fighting it's it just didn't work it it doesn't and like I don't know. There, I mean, I would have accepted it if there was a little bit more setup, but and then and then they get together during the Battle of Hogwarts, but literally like a month or so before Ron ditched Hermione and Harry in the middle of the woods, and they had to go yeah, horse hunting like... on their own. I know, right? The next one is obviously the best one. It's Arthur and Molly Weasley. Truly, and this is the first. They're the best Wizarding World couple ever. They're the best parents Truly. in the whole Wizarding World. They're, They're the best couple. They don't ever fight. They're awesome. Yeah. I I just, I don't know. I love it. And they're so nice to Harry. So, yeah. This has been an interesting analysis, hasn't it, Vaughn? It has. Just wait until we finally start talking about ships. That's going to be a fun time. All the all the different things that people have imagined up. It's uh yeah, it's a it's a time. All right, so that is the end of our episode. And uh yeah, it's been in my opinion, it's been a pretty good episode, I think, right? It has. You know? It was a pretty it was a pretty decent analysis, I think. I think yeah, yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. I think we had a lot to say. Recently, Vaughn, I really wanted to quickly bring this up. We got a review on Apple Podcasts. And so we've gotten reviews from this person before, but they recently, like, I think read. I think you can redo a review if you want to. And it's from 
Hippogriffs 64, I think their name is. Anyway, thank you so much for leaving your review. I'm going to read part of it to Vaughn because it's just so nice to like get new reviews from you guys. So it just says... Um, Actually, no, it turns out to be one star. You guys suck. <laughs> no, 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 no. It doesn't say that. It says, so basically they recently got a new book called Dumbledore, The Life and Lies of Hogwarts Renowned Headmaster. And they highly recommend it for us to read. And it goes into the life and lives of Dumbledore as well as his master plan. And that they just thought we would find it interesting. So thank you so much for, like, leaving that review for us. Because that's, like, it's just great to hear from you guys. And uh, if you want to be able to, like, get in touch with us with, without having to, like, rewrite your review a bunch of times, try emailing us. We have an email. It's insidehogwartspod at gmail.com. Like, we would love to talk to you through email and you can let us know any of your thoughts about like our episodes or just any of your opinions on what we talk about um and then like this person did you can go on apple Podcasts and leave us a quick review and rating just so other people can find our podcast and uh yeah that would really help us out a lot and then you can check out our website insidehogwarts.com so i updated it actually last week and you, you'll probably notice that the thumbnails that I updated look different than the old thumbnails. And that's just because I started doing something different in Photoshop. So I'm going to fix the rest of the season's um, thumbnails when I have the time. I just don't right now. So I'm going to get to it, I promise. But right now, the episodes are up, so you can go check them out. And I think that's it. Right, Vaughn? I think so. So thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Hopefully you liked this episode, and we'll see you next time. Um, in the meantime, go listen to the soundtrack of Harry Potter and Half the Prince, since it's Vaughn's favorite. <laughs> All right. Living Death is my favorite song. It has nothing yeah. to do with life or death. It's a pretty positive song. Also Aragog's Funeral. That's great. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Be sure to check back every Tuesday for another episode of Inside Hot.